The scripture reading today is from Galatians 5:16 through 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. We're taking a few weeks on Sunday mornings and also in our community groups to talk about the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, one of the most remarkable statements, I think, that is made about the Holy Spirit is that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God Himself comes to dwell within us. Isn't that just an astonishing thought? First Corinthians 6.19 says, Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Jesus, in John 14, he said, the Spirit of truth will be in you. All right, now what, what does that mean? What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit of God living in you? How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit in me? What does it feel like to have the Holy Spirit in you? Um, Today's passage in Galatians 5 is helpful, I think, for answering those kinds of questions because this, this passage spells out for us four things that you will experience when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your life. When, when the Spirit of God comes to live within you, you will begin to experience these four things. You'll, you'll experience an inner struggle, a positive change, a long process, and an invitation. Those four things, an inner struggle, a positive change, a long process, and you will receive an invitation. So let me work through that first. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in the life of a person produces an inner struggle. It's almost sometimes feel like a, like a civil war inside of you. Verse 17 says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want now the the apostle paul is the the person who wrote these words and in in this context when he says the flesh he's not here talking about your body sometimes in the bible the word flesh refers to your body but in the context here, when he says the word flesh, he's really talking about your sinful nature. He's talking about that, that aspect of you that's, um, 
It's just flavored by selfishness and unbelief and, and arrogance and self-righteousness. In other words, it's, it's that part of you that just sort of instinctively rebels against the authority of God and the values of God. In verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And then he launches into this long list of different kinds of sins. And it's, it's quite a list. It's, an, it's, very, it's an all-inclusive list. Verse, in verse 19, he mentions certain sexual sins. Beginning of verse 20, he begins to talk about spiritual sins, things like idolatry and witchcraft. Then he begins to talk about, I guess you'd call them social sins, sins that we commit against other people, uh, envy, hatred, fits of rage. And then finally, he caps off the list with, with sins of self-control, drunkenness, wild partying, you know, substance abuse, things like that. So it's, a, it's an all-inclusive list. And listen, it's the inclination in us toward these kinds of attitudes, the inclination toward these kinds of sins. That's what he has in mind here when he says the word, the flesh. Now, you'll notice that in one sense, when we come to Christ, the power of the flesh is destroyed. Verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified, past tense. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So in one sense, Christian, the sinful nature has been crucified. In other words, it, it, the flesh no longer has the authority to dominate your life in one sense, all right? But in another sense, the desires of the flesh remain, don't they? I guess you'd say that the flesh was crucified, the flesh was killed, but, but the ghost of the flesh still comes back to haunt you, right? Those, those desires still, still nag you. And here's his point. The desires of the flesh wage war inside you against the influence of the Spirit. He says the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So there's this, this inner struggle that results when the Holy Spirit comes. And often, Christians are surprised by this struggle, and they're even discouraged by this struggle. They think, you know, if I were, if I were really a Christian, I wouldn't be struggling with temptation and sin like this. Or, or you know, if the Holy Spirit really lived in me, I, I, you know, you would think that obedience would just be automatic for me. But listen, ra rather than being proof of the Spirit's absence, this, this struggle with the flesh is it's generally proof of His presence with you. Just, you know, like the, the family dog doesn't bark until a visitor comes to the door, right? And that's kind of the way it is with the flesh. The flesh will just lie there, dormant, quiet, until, until the Holy Spirit shows up. And that's when, the, that's when the barking starts, right? That's when the battle begins. One uh, author, Christian author, put it this way. I find this helpful. The, the author wrote, the conflict with sin is normal. Isn't it a relief to hear that? The conflict with sin is normal. Soldiers should expect combat in wartime. The passions of the flesh are waging war against your soul. And our adversary, the devil, is a prowling lion hunting fresh prey. Ongoing conflict with both sin and Satan is the common experience of all believers. This should not surprise us. If you feel alone in your experience with this inner struggle, take heart, he writes, you are not alone. 
So how, how, what is it like to have the Spirit of God come live within you? Well, um, when the Spirit comes into your life, you will begin to experience an inner struggle, maybe in ways that you never did before, uh, an inner battle with the flesh. So there's an inner struggle. Secondly, you will experience a positive change. I, I, think, this, I think it's important to, to point this out. Sometimes Christians, especially younger Christians, will feel kind of nervous when they think about the possible changes that the Holy Spirit might work in them if, you know, as, as, as they have Him living in their life. They just kind of think, if I really, truly uh, submit to the control of the Spirit, if I let Him work in me, what is He going to do to me? Is He going to make me some kind of religious fanatic? Am, am I going to turn into some kind of weirdo? Will He make me like my Aunt Brenda? You know, I don't want to be like that. You know, just to have these weird fears of what He might do to you. Just fear that if the Holy Spirit really works in you, He's going to crush your spirit. He's going to take away your individuality. He's going to steal all your joy. He's going to make you something very unnatural to you. There's, it's common to have that fear. But listen, did you notice what is the metaphor? What is the metaphor that the apostle uses here to describe the result of the Spirit's work in you? The metaphor is fruit. Let me ask you, what could, what could possibly be better than fruit? Right now, chocolate, chocolate cake is sweet, but it's not healthy, right? And candy tastes good, but it's not natural. But fruit, ah, oh, fruit. Think, think about how amazing. Listen, fruit is sweet and moist and delicious and natural. And here's the kicker. It's actually good for you. Fruit, that's the metaphor. Fruit is the metaphor he uses to describe, listen, the changes the Spirit wants to make in you. The changes he wants to make in you are, are pleasant and sweet and good and natural. They're not unnatural, turning you into something you're not. His work is natural, making you the real you, the person God created you to be, not someone else. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 describe the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is basically a summation of the character qualities that that God produces in our lives through the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if you, listen, if you look at this list and you think about it, you'll realize that every change, every change the Holy Spirit wants to make in you is good. They're all good. The fruit of the Spirit is love. In other words, He wants to make you into the kind of person that other people enjoy being around, the kind of person that people feel safe around. Just wants to make you someone who is, who is compassionate and kind and thoughtful and large-hearted. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. He wants to fill you with a genuine, just exuberance for life. The fruit of the Spirit is, is peace and patience. He wants to make you a man or woman who is just stable, who is not discouraged and knocked over by every difficulty that comes along. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. So you, you get the point. Every change he wants to make in you is good. So you don't really need to fear submitting to the Spirit's work in your life, do you? He's not going to make you something you're not. He's going to make you in Christ who you really are. 
the real you, the, God, the, the person God designed you to be, only with these beautiful flavors of attractive, courageous, noble qualities. You don't need to fear that. So, some of you remember those old commercials from Men's Warehouse. Remember, they'd always end with that, that guy with the deep voice in his armchair. And he, what would he say? He'd say, you're going to like the way you look. Remember that? I guarantee it. Well, that's basically what the Holy Spirit says to Christians who are nervous about the ways He might change them. He says, you're going to like this. You're going to love this. You, 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 he's, he, he says, listen, every change I make in you, I'm, I'm working. He says, I am working to make you the man or woman who in your better moments you always aspire to be. That's what He will do in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That means that, that, means that you are filled with faith and you are faithful. Gentleness, self-control, the kind of person that when you meet them, you gravitate toward them. That's the kind of person he will make you. So when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you should expect an inner struggle. You should expect a positive change. Thirdly, you should expect a long process. Fruit doesn't grow overnight, does it? It takes time. It's, it's the same with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. This is important because sometimes uh, Christians will obsess over seeking that, you know, that, that one instantaneous, decisive encounter with the Spirit. And if you just have that one experience, it'll change everything forever for the rest of your life. But listen, um, that's not usually the way the Spirit works in us. It's not. One Christian author named Miles Stanford, he wrote this, God God does not hurry in His development of our Christian life. God is working from and for eternity. God's method for true spiritual growth involves pain as well as joy, suffering as well as happiness, failure as well as success, inactivity as well as service. And dear friends, he writes, it will take a long time. But since God is working for eternity, why should we be concerned about the time involved? It's a long process. Now, you can see that in verse 16. The apostle says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice he says, the apostle says, walk by the Spirit. Not run by the Spirit, right? Not fly by the Spirit. Not teleport by the Spirit into a new dimension. He just says, walk. Listen, um, the grammatical form, the experts will tell us, the grammatical form of that, that verb walk is a form that can, it, it conveys the idea of ongoing, continuous action, right? But even if you didn't know that, you could infer that from the nature of the, the word itself. The word is walk. How do people walk? Well, you walk one step at a time, right? You just put one foot after the other. Walk, if you think about it, walking is it's probably the most mundane, monotonous, normal human activity you can think of. And, and, and that's the verb. That's the verb the Bible uses to describe um, life in the Spirit. It's walking. 
Now, when you walk, you do make progress. You don't stay in the same place. You make progress, and if the Spirit of, of, of God is at work in your life, you, you, with every, listen, with every passing year, you will be little, and by little, more and more, you will be conformed to the image of Christ. He will change you. You'll make progress, but it will likely happen very slowly. And I think you should not be discouraged by that. You know, when God, uh, when God wants to make a zucchini, He can do that in less than 50 days. When God wants to make an oak tree, He will take 100 years. And Christian, listen to me. You are not God's zucchini, all right? No, you are His oak tree. He is taking His time. He is doing this right. He is, he is making you something amazing. So what's it like to have the Holy Spirit in you? What do you experience? An inner struggle, a positive, beautiful change, a long process, and finally, you'll experience an invitation. You'll receive an invitation. See, the, the, the Holy Spirit, He does not produce His fruit in us independent of our cooperation. That's so important to know. He, he invites us to be involved with Him in the process by submitting to His work in our life. You see that in verse 25. Verse 25, the apostle says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the verb that they translate, keep in step, this is a word that you would have used in the first century to, devise, to, to describe a group of soldiers marching together in formation. Just all of them together, walking together. It, it was a word that carried the idea of walking in a line or submitting to a rule or proceeding under the direction of someone else. He says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, that's a word of instruction to us, right? It's also, listen, it's also an invitation where the Spirit is saying, come on, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. It's an invitation for you to be involved. It's important that we don't miss this. One, one Christian author, Jerry Bridges, says this, spiritual transformation, what he calls the pursuit of holiness. He says the pursuit of holiness is a joint venture between God and the Christian. No one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in their life, but just as surely... No one will attain it without effort on their own part. God has made it possible for us to walk in holiness, but He's given us the responsibility of doing the walking. He won't do that for us. The Holy Spirit's not going to carry you on His shoulders, right? He wants you to walk with Him. Now, as Christians, um, the Spirit of God lives in us, and He is changing us little by little, more and more, making us like Jesus, but in doing that, He awaits our involvement, right? He invites us to participate, to walk with Him. So I wonder, I wonder if you're participating, are you, with the Holy Spirit? 
in the work he's doing in you. Now you might ask, how would I, how would I know? How do you do that? Well, look here. First, you'll notice it means you let the Spirit set the pace. Verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. You let the, the Spirit set the pace. Then, Secondly, you let the Spirit chart the course. Verse 18 talks about us being led by the Spirit. How are you led by the Spirit? Well, primarily it means that you allow Scripture to teach you how to live. You know, we shouldn't think of some kind of competition between what the Bible says and what the Spirit says. This is the book the Spirit inspired. Right? So you let Scripture teach you how to live. You let the Spirit set the pace. You let the Spirit chart the course. And then thirdly, you let the Spirit provide the power. Notice verse 16 says you walk by the Spirit. You don't walk by your own strength. He gives you the power, right? So He sets the pace. He charts the course. He gives the power. And you walk with Him. Okay, now what will that look like in a person's life? So let's just be very practical. What will it look like for you to respond to this invitation and walk, keep in step with the Spirit. I would say this. It will involve a lot of prayer, all right? It will involve um, frequent meditation on Scripture. It will involve daily repentance of your sin. And it will involve ongoing rejoicing in the love of Christ. Listen, you, you start living your life that way. You do these four things. Um, listen, lots of prayer, frequent meditation on Scripture, daily repentance of your sin, ongoing rejoicing in the love of Jesus, and you will be in step with the Spirit. Now, may, that may sound different than what you expected when you think of, you know, the Spirit of God living in you. Uh, listen, sometimes, the, all right, sometimes the Spirit does things that are very unexpected, that are clearly supernatural, that seem kind of dramatic. He's, he is God, after all. He can do whatever He wants. Sometimes the Spirit, still to this day, does things like that. But in general, the, the way the Spirit works, He works through what you would call the ordinary rhythms of the Christian life. You walk with Him. He walks with you. And He bears fruit. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love Him to do that in your life? He's doing it already, Christian. Wouldn't you love Him to do that more and more in our church to see the fruit of the Spirit abound here? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you, when your word talks about the Holy Spirit, this is not just an abstract doctrine. This is a reality. He comes to live in our life. We thank you that he comes in ways that bring life and that bring hope in ways that just fit with who we are as human beings and that transform us in beautiful ways. We welcome His work in us. And I would, I would pray for all of us that you would just give us grace, special grace, to be open to the work of the Spirit in our life, to keep in step with Him, to know that He comes to make the love of Jesus very real to us, and that we, we would see Him work in us, and in our church. 
We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.